0: You're listening to the CFP Podcast with your host, Shappy, the college football writer. The source for your college football fix with picks, clicks, and conversions over kicks. Now, here's your host, Shaffi. Hey, CFP fans. Welcome back. And I'm glad that you're back with us. You probably and hopefully listened to the first seven episodes of this podcast, which covered our great 28 of spring, looking at the top 28 teams, at least going into the spring. I've recently released our post-spring great 28. It can be found on cfpcollegefootball.com. We'll talk about it and go through it in another podcast. But today, we're just going to give you a quick rundown of the last week in college football news and notes. We're also going to take a look at a proposal for realignment in college football. If you're to add two teams per conference, at least in the Power Five tonight, who do you add and who do you replace? So we'll have a two-in, two-out system that we'll look at after our news and notes. But I want to remind you that you can find me and follow me on Twitter. I am at champion underscore lit. Again, that's at champion underscore lit. And you can also find a lot more information and practically everything that we're talking about here on our website, cfpcollegefootball.com. So give that a look. Please remember to rate this podcast, subscribe if you don't already subscribe, and share it with at least five of your friends. I know that most of you are on the Twitter, so share it out. When I post it, you could do me a huge solid by just retweeting and letting people know, hey give this guy a listen. He knows what he's talking about for the most part. And even if he doesn't, that's a great point to counter me and come back at me and tell me why I'm wrong. And we can get engaged in that awesome, awesome college football debate. No hate, just a lot of talk, a lot of good things that are going on, sharing the minds and enhancing the community. So let's get into it. Our news and notes from the last week. Starting off, new Pac-12 Commissioner George Kliavkov has succeeded Larry Scott as the new commissioner out in the Pacific 12 Conference. Those schools out there by that big ocean on the left coast and mixed in with the Rocky Mountain area. Now, Kleavkoff was the president of sports and entertainment at MGM Resorts. He also has worked with Major League Baseball Media, he was the head of NBC Universal and also ran Hulu when it was in its infancy so the guy is an entertainment guru and clearly this is a an attempt by the Pac-12 to market and work for a better TV deal for the Pac-12 so Cleavkov says he wants to improve fan experience and enhance the product that they've already got and he knows the focus has to start with football he says that the playoff format needs to expand, which would certainly give his conference more of a shot. That being said, he says that they want to work on a better TV deal. But here's my take. The problem isn't necessarily the product. The problem is the fact that there's such a time difference when these games are kicking off. They're kicking off so late that the majority of the country from the Heartland area, central time zone on over, they're having to decide, do we stay up and watch all these games Do we tune in the Pac-12 after dark? Which, if you're a diehard college football fan, that's not a problem. But trying to reach more of the average or casual college football fans, it's very difficult to do. So here's what I propose. I think that they need to kick off at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 o'clock Eastern time during the early part of fall when daylight savings is not kicked in yet. And when daylight savings goes into effect... And the sun is going down, theoretically, a little bit earlier. We know that sun goes down at the same time all the time. It's just a matter of the hour change. But at least that way, if the experience is we want to see some of these games under the lights after dark, you can still do that. So. Maybe early November into December, you've got games that are kicking off at 6 o'clock out on the West Coast, 9 o'clock during prime time in the East Coast, which is typically when ESPN and some of the other networks are televising some of their primetime games anyway. I think that you're still going to get eyeballs that way. But let's be real, Pac-12, right now you're competing with the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten. So they're playing some of those nighttime games. You might have to, for the next five, maybe even ten years, go to midweek games. Play on Thursday night. Play on Friday night. Have maybe some of your mid-level Pac-12 teams, the teams like Arizona State and UCLA and Washington State. Some of those teams that are, are not Oregon and Washington. They're not USC and Utah just yet. You have those teams get the eyeballs on Thursday night and Friday night, and and maybe that's half of your conference schedule, but those are going to be the nights where there's going to be more eyes, especially if you have those football fans, the ones who at 9 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock at night, so maybe you're kicking off at 5 o'clock West Coast time. I know that that isn't exactly your first choice, but if you want eyeballs, if you want those people to tune in along the Eastern time zone, then you've got to sacrifice. You've got to give a little bit. And I think that that's something that Kleivkov is likely looking at. I think that's going to be a good suggestion that they should go with. Now, the other thing he talked about is he says recruiting needs to be better. Now, here's where I I argue with that a little bit. The Pac-12 has had the third highest cumulative rank for recruiting of all 11 conferences if you factor in the independents, right? So, Taking the average ranking for every team over the last four years, which we here at CFP have done. We've done our homework. The Pac-12 has the third highest cumulative rank. They're averaging a team ranking of 36 out of 130 for all those 12 teams. Now, better than that, they have 58% of their teams ranked in the last four years cumulatively in the top 35. That's better than the Big Ten. That's better than the Big 12. That's better than the ACC. They're only number two behind the SEC. Now, the SEC kind of blows everybody out of the water. The SEC has an average ranking for all 14 teams of 20th out of 130 over the last four years. And 85.7 of their teams, or in other words, 12 of 14 teams, are cumulatively ranked anywhere from 1 to 35 over the last four years. The Pac-12, the problem is not recruiting. And we've seen that with Oregon. We've seen that with USC. We're seeing that with Arizona State recently. We're seeing it with UCLA. So it's not recruiting, Mr. Klavkov. It's basically the eyeballs. It's enhancing your product and glossing it up making it a little bit sexier, and the way to do that is to show it and to market it, right? I mean, you look at human nature. The best way to be interested in something is to be accustomed to it. When you see it, you typically are going to gravitate towards things that you become a little bit more familiar with. So I think those are the things that need to be focused for Kleavkov, but by all accounts, can only go up from Larry Scott. There were things that Scott missed. There were things that Scott could have done to make this brand a little bit better, and i'm not going to weigh in on whether expansion is a good thing or not a good thing i still think that if you were to expand to six teams which would include buys for the top two seeds that way you can have your four automatic qualifiers of the five power five conferences so the top four teams qualify and then that leaves it open for a group of five team and also they're close that fifth group of five slot or Notre Dame, whichever one's going to be better. And I think that the Pac-12 this year in 2021 is going to have a couple of teams that could flirt with that. I think certainly Oregon is the top contender. Washington might be a sleeper. They're, they're being ranked in a lot of these preseason polls a little bit higher than, than a lot might give them credit for. And don't sleep on Arizona State. Don't sleep on Utah either. Their schedules will set up to where if they can take care of business, they could flirt, especially if they win the conference, they could flirt with a top six ranking. And notice I didn't mention USC. Now, they're a contender for sure. They've got the talent on their roster. But what they don't have, from what I've seen, is that complete team. I don't think that they have a complete coaching staff yet. I don't think that they have complete play from their quarterback, Keaton Slovis. But that's another topic for another time. Moving on, speaking of people at the top, Northwestern... Temporary Athletic Director Mike Polisky has resigned after 10 days on the job, citing that amidst all the protests and the backlash that he and President Morton Shapiro have gotten due to his hiring uh, over allegations of mishandlings of uh, sexual harassment claims and alleged improper treatment for people of color within the athletic department, essentially This is another case of people not stepping up to do something when they're made aware of. And again, these are just all allegations. Don't want to speak too much further on the things that went on because I am a little bit removed from the situation and I I, I don't feel that it's fair to, to comment on that. Nonetheless, Northwestern is now again searching for an athletic director for the second time in the last month when the first search took a couple of months to go through And Morton Shapiro kind of distanced himself from that, didn't even really have a press conference right away, which which led to some questions. And now there are people wondering what the leadership at the top, meaning outside of athletics, what that should look like and, and what role they should play, if at all, or if any, towards this next athletic director hire. Now, they did have one of their personnel, Travis Goff, go, and he's now the new athletic director at the University of Kansas. So that, that's a uh, a situation where perhaps maybe they could have gone with someone like him. And then there's also clamoring for careful consideration of a person of color or a female athletic director. And we all know that there are a good number of both or a combination of the two that are out there. So Hopefully for Northwestern's sake and for the the Northwestern community, which I'm very close to and I have deep hearted interests in and a lot of respect for, I'm hoping for their sake and for the community's sake and just for human beings in general, all across the board, that things are done the right way from here on out and the right person, the best person for the position is brought in with no baggage and and really it has to be somebody who is uh, practically squeaky clean because the way that this was seemingly mishandled the last time now speaking of kansas their new coach lance leipold former coach at the university of buffalo and wisconsin whitewater where he won i think nine championships out in d3 he was hired about a month ago out at ku and he's brought his entire staff from the university of buffalo over with him to Lawrence, Kansas. That includes offensive coordinator Andy Ketelnicki and defensive coordinator Brian Borland. Now, to give you an idea of their worth and their merit, Buffalo last season had a top 25 offense, which included the number two rush offense in the country. Of course, it certainly helps when you've got Jarrett Patterson and Kevin Marks in your backfield. Oh, and one of the top offensive lines, not just in the MAC but in college football, Speaking of that offensive line, they were number one in fewest sacks allowed and number one in fewest tackles for loss allowed. So again, that shows you the strength and the technical prowess that they play with on that Buffalo front. They also had the number five scoring offense, and they were 15th in third down conversions. So Nicky brings with him a good resume. On the defensive side of the ball, not too shabby either. They were top 30 in scoring defense, third down defense, red zone defense, and pass efficiency defense, which... Those are some of the major metrics that spell success for any college football team, regardless of what conference you're playing in. So you get one of the great program regenerators and builders in Leipold, and he's done so at the University of Buffalo, and they were down, they were like 127 out of 127 not too long ago, right around when he got there. I think he spent about five years at Buffalo, and has turned them into, at least the last two or three years, a perennial power in the MAC. They played in the MAC championship this last season. They played in it two times in the last three years. I'd have to look that up. But certainly bringing with him the goods that helped him to be successful there at UB. Also, there have been a lot of Buffalo Bulls who have entered the transfer portal at an alarming rate if you're a Buffalo fan. If you're a Kansas fan, there's some glimmer of hope because it's assumed that some of them are likely to want to follow Leipold out to Lawrence, Kansas, providing that they can qualify, providing that it's the right fit for them, provided that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. But you're talking about guys like Lamont McDougal, Trevor Wilson, Mike Nowitzki. They're all conference center. So I think they've had two or three, maybe even more, offensive linemen that have entered the portal. And then something else to keep an eye on, too. Kevin Marks was in the transfer portal early on then put himself back out of it with his coach and a lot of that staff going, could he potentially put himself in the portal and maybe look at going out to Lawrence, Kansas, where I think that he could be a pretty good name in a conference where running backs seem to get a little bit more publicity than others. So something to keep an eye on. Other things, and this is a personal favorite of mine, the Egg Bowl is being brought back to Thanksgiving night for the next two seasons. Hallelujah. Thank you, football gods. I was sorely disappointed to see the Egg Bowl kind of taken off of that Thanksgiving night slate. Growing up in my early years, in my college years, and certainly in my young adult and middle adult years, One of the things that I loved watching on Thursday Thanksgiving evening is not the pro games. And I live in the Detroit area, so watching Lions football on Thanksgiving is more than a tradition. But more so for me, more personally, it was watching the Egg Bowl and the Mississippi State Ole Miss games where it was a dogfight, literally, you know, Bulldogs and Rebels. They're fighting for the Golden Egg Trophy and it was just it was something that was rich in thanksgiving lore and i'm eating those thanksgiving leftovers the cold turkey sandwich with grandma's stuffing and you've got some cranberry sauce leftover a little bit of gravy a little bit of mashed potatoes my god i'm making myself hungry just talking about that so thank goodness that's back at least for the next two seasons i'm hoping that they renew that and that gets to be a fixture on thanksgiving night yet again And while we're at it, can we please also bring back Texas and Texas A&M? We're going to talk about conference realignment later in this episode, but I know those two teams have not played in the last handful of years. So let's bring them back, first of all, no matter when they're going to play. But if they are going to renew that rivalry, which they should, listen up Texas AD, listen up A&M AD, listen up coaches and administration. It's not about you. It's about what the fans want. And I know that the fans want this rivalry brought back. Regardless of what either side might be saying publicly, this is deep-rooted in not only football tradition, but the state of Texas. You've got to have the two biggest football schools in that state playing each other. And you should have them playing on Thanksgiving night like they used to all the time. And if not on Thanksgiving night, at the very least at noon on Black Friday, let's do that. Let's work on that. I'm going to start that petition and get that going again. I know that there's a lot of people who have been working for that. But you've got my support here. Tim Chapman on CFP Podcast. We're going to get that football rolling once more. Other brief bits. Congratulations to the number two Sam Houston State Bearcats, who became number one by knocking off the top seeded South Dakota State Jackrabbits on a final touchdown with just 16 seconds left. A nice little precision pass by the Bearcats. Schmidt to a Day for the game winning touchdown. So, congrats to the Bearcats and coach Casey Keeler. Who gets his second ever national championship his other he won with another fcs school delaware the blue hens the winged helmeted blue hens now keeler also coached in five other championship games when he was at division three rowan college out of new jersey but unfortunately for keeler he lost all five of those contests and not close either by an average margin of 42 to 18. so He gets his second ring, his second championship, and does so with the Sam Houston State Bearcats. I think Keeler's a name that he's getting up there a little bit in age. I'm curious to see if he might try to jump up to the FBS ranks in a group of five school. I think that he could be somebody that could take a program that's looking to take that next step, maybe in the lower tier of a G5 conference and bring him up to a little bit of prominence. The guy knows how to coach. He seems to have a way with his players, and he's also pretty innovative as well. So he's he's not stuck in his old routines. He likes to keep up with the times. So interesting to see how that goes and that improving and that rising program. I can predict that within the next 10, certainly within the next 20 years, I think we're going to see Sam Houston State make that jump up to the FBS level and maybe be a Sunbelt team or whatever new Texas-bound conference will likely arise and formulate within the next 10, 15, 20 years. So that's our news update for this week, the week of May seventeenth, 2021. And now, before we get into our next topic, let's take a quick break so that we can pay some of those bills. Hey, welcome back to the CFP Podcast. This is Tim Chapman, Chappie, your host. Segment two, we're going to talk about college football realignment. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that it has to happen right now. And the format I'm going to go over is not even the primary suggestion that I have. I'm more of a, let's kind of reconfigure everything. And I'm going to take a little bit from Pat Forty, who wrote an article in Sports Illustrated last year. And I kind of liked his premise here. And he talked about slimming the FBS division down to 120 teams. And part of that might happen anyway in the near future, just due to budgetary constraints. But... You get a nice even number and you divide it up into 12 conferences of 10 teams. Now, 40 suggested 10 conferences with 12 teams. I think that you should go to 12 conferences with 10 teams. And I'll explain my reasoning in another podcast. But for the purpose of this segment here, we're just going to look at taking the power five. And if you were to swap two teams that are leaving and replace them with two teams that are coming in, who would it be? Who would be the best choices for that landscape? So we're going to go in alphabetical order just so that way nobody thinks that I'm playing favorites, even though I live in Big Ten country, I cover the Northwestern Wildcats. I'm a college football passionate, and I want to give love, and I want to give light to all conferences, all teams, whether you're Clemson or whether you're Colorado. So let's start with the ACC. Now, this conference currently has 14 teams, and they're split into two divisions. So I think the first team that you got to add in, it's a pretty obvious choice. They were in it last year. That's Notre Dame. I think that they could go in and join the Atlantic division. Number one, they already play a six-game ACC schedule as it is. And by going into the Atlantic, they're going to be there with Clemson and Florida State and Boston College. Now, Florida State is kind of a pseudo-rivalry that's building. Clemson is a team that they started to play since they've opened up that ACC schedule, and I think that that's becoming a very interesting rivalry that's in the workings. And then, of course, there's the Battle of the Catholics, Notre Dame fighting Irish, Boston College Eagles. I think that sets up pretty nicely. And I would also add in Maryland, putting them in the coastal division, that way they have some old-school ACC traditional rivalries with North Carolina, Virginia, Duke, Georgia Tech. I just think that Maryland stands a little bit better chance – playing in the coastal division of the current ACC as opposed to the Big Ten East, where you're pretty much always going to be looking up to Michigan and Penn State, and recently Indiana and Michigan State, and then perennially Ohio State at the top. I think sliding Maryland back over to the ACC would be a good move for that school, and I think that it would be a good fit for them as well. Now, who do you take out? Well, I think that you take Louisville out of the Atlantic, and I think you take Pitt out of the Coastal. And I'll tell you where Pitt's going to go in just a minute, but I would put Louisville in the AAC. I think that that's going to be better chance for them to be more successful on an annual basis. I think that those teams in the current American Athletic Conference match up a little bit better with Louisville, more competitively, I should say. I think those teams in the current American Athletic Conference match up more competitively with Louisville. When you're looking at realignment, again, if we're going to go with the premise that if you bring somebody in, you've got to take somebody out, I think that Pitt might have a better opportunity in a different conference. I'm going to put them in the Big Ten in the East, so basically swapping them with Maryland. I think that Pitt will have that more natural fit in the Big Ten East than Maryland. So moving to the Big Ten, we already talked about Pittsburgh coming in. I think that it's an easy swap to Take Maryland out, put Pittsburgh in. That way they're in there with their rival Penn State. You now have two teams from the state of Pennsylvania in the Big Ten Conference. And Pittsburgh, we've seen them play games against Ohio State. So it's not really a rivalry. And Ohio State has pretty much controlled that series. But it's if you're looking at historic college football programs, Pittsburgh and Ohio State certainly are two of the ones closer to the top than they are at the bottom. I think you also should bring in Iowa State. So the Cyclones have their annual CyHawk Trophy game against the Iowa Hawkeyes. I think if you put Iowa State in the West, they're going to match up with Iowa. And then they're also of the same cut as many of those gritty, grinding Big Ten West teams like Northwestern, Wisconsin, Minnesota. I mean, think about if we were to see at least under what Matt Campbell has brought them to, if we saw an Iowa State-Wisconsin matchup, an Iowa State-Northwestern matchup, an Iowa State-Minnesota matchup. So it makes sense geographically, but I think it also makes sense in terms of what these football programs look like and how you look at the Big Ten West as really being more of that black and blue, kind of that old NFC central makeup from the NFL. And then I also think that you bring West Virginia into the Big Ten and put them in the East. So that would mean that you've got to get rid of a Big Ten team, and I think that Rutgers should go and Nebraska should go. So you move Iowa State into the West and take Nebraska out and put them into the Big 12, which I'll talk about that in just a minute. And then I think you you remove Rutgers and put them in the American Athletic Conference, just like you did with Louisville from the ACC, And then we talked about Maryland moving to the ACC. So again, Big Ten, I would add Iowa State in the West, Pittsburgh and West Virginia in the East, because I really want to see that backyard brawl reignited and rejuvenated. And what better way than to pair them in the same division in the Big Ten? Moving on to the Big 12. I know that names don't really mean a lot. The Big Ten now has 14 teams. The Big 12 has 10 teams. But I think in order for them to be able to compete a little bit better, and to have a little bit more cachet, the Big 12 has got to get to at least 12 teams. So I propose that you add four schools into the Big 12 conference. I think you take Texas out and move them to the SEC, and we already talked about removing Iowa State, putting them in the Big 10. Let's bring in Missouri and Arkansas from the SEC. So Missouri, a former Big 12 and former Big 8 school, you put them in a North division, And you bring Arkansas in and put them in a South division. And I'll get to the proposed Big 12 realignment in terms of their divisions in just a moment. But both of those schools, Missouri and Arkansas, really a little bit out of their element, out of their league in the SEC. And I know, Missouri fans, that the Tigers played for two SEC championships within a span of, I think, three years in the 2010s. So, Since they've been put into the SEC, they have made more SEC championship appearances than some of those other traditional SEC schools, but I just think that it's going to be better for competition. I think it's going to be better for recruiting if you have Missouri on a more annually competitive playing field in the Big 12. I think that you also add in Houston from the American Athletic Conference and put them in the South Division. And I also think that you bring back Colorado. So Colorado is another team that seems to be out of their element playing in the Pac-12. I think that they're a much better fit in the Big 12 than they are the Pac-12. And if we're saying that Nebraska is coming back to the Big 12, you've got that Colorado-Nebraska rivalry kind of reinvented, rejuvenated. And, and now they're playing for division and conference supremacy at the same time. So we bring in Missouri, Arkansas, Houston, and Colorado. You get rid of Texas. You get rid of Iowa State. So what does the new Big 12 look like? Well, in the north, you would have Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri, Colorado, Oklahoma State, and Nebraska in no particular order. And then in the south, you go with Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Arkansas, Houston, Baylor, and TCU. So it's six teams in each division. And in that south division, you have five of the six teams that made up that former Southwest Conference. So you got Texas Tech, Arkansas, Houston, Baylor, and TCU, of course, before Arkansas moved over to the SEC in 1992. But that way you get some of the old Big 8 and Big 12 matchups and rivalries, but you also kind of lump those Texas schools or those old Southwest Conference schools together. So that's my proposed Big 12. Let's go to the Pac-12. We already talked about getting rid of Colorado and moving them back to the Big 12. I think that Utah would be in a better position if they went back to the Mountain West. Now, Utah has done very well. They have been one of the more consistently successful teams in the Pac-12. But the Pac-12 is not a huge step up from the Mountain West Conference from what we've seen. I mean, the brand of football is not too different. And I think that you're know you looking at, if you're ranking them, the Pac-12 is just slightly ahead in terms of overall football product than the Mountain West is. I know that the Mountain West Conference draws a good amount of fan base, and I know that they play some exciting football, and, and they can hold their own as well. So if you move Utah to the Mountain West Conference, and you bring in BYU and Boise State. Now, Boise State, some of you Utah fans are saying, wait, you're telling me that Boise State belongs in the Pac-12 and Utah doesn't? I'm not necessarily saying that, but if we're going with geography and if we're going with, you know, who do you add, I'll come right out and say that the Pac-12 really doesn't need to change much. But if we're going to go with the premise for the purpose of this podcast of bringing two in and removing two, I think BYU is a good fit because they have some traditional games against Washington, and they have played some of those northern Pac-12 schools. But then Boise State certainly has rivalries with BYU, who would be added, and then Oregon and Oregon State as well, being close in proximity. And Boise State also has that Chris Peterson connection where the Broncos have played the Huskies a couple of times. I think you do that and you put both of them in the Pac-12 North and you move Stanford and Cal to the South where geographically they belong. So BYU and Boise State added in, put in the Pac-12 North, Stanford and Cal moved to the Pac-12 South. And so long, Colorado, who goes to the Big 12. And so long, Utah, who goes to the Mountain West Conference, where they could be a perennial winner. And then you look at realignment again in about 10 years. And then finally, in the SEC, I think if you're going to bring in two teams, who better to bring into the SEC if Clemson's not going to be added? I think you bring in Miami and put them in the East, replacing Missouri, who we said is going to go to the Big 12. And you bring in Texas— and put them in the SEC West, replacing Arkansas, who's also going to the Big 12. So why Texas? Well, you've already got Texas A&M in the West. You've got LSU in the West. So those are two schools that are geographically close. They compete and and fight over similar recruits every year. Plus, you know, we saw a, a good matchup between Texas and LSU in 2019, the year that the Bayou Bengals won it all, but Texas gave them a run for it in that game. So I think Texas is a good fit. Plus, who wouldn't want to see Texas and Alabama on an annual basis? Who wouldn't want to see Texas and LSU on an annual basis? So if Texas can get off of its elite status and realize that they are not at the top yet, even though they've got their own Longhorn network, and that's no disrespect to Texas, but I think if you put the Longhorns in this SEC conference, that's certainly going to enhance their brand even more. And it's going to force them to put up or shut up. Because right now, I think they're complacent and they're too comfortable in the Big 12. And Oklahoma has owned them in recent years. So I think if you put them in a league like the SEC, I just think that's going to enhance the overall look and the overall, overall image of that UT program. So, again, these are just suggestions for the Power Five. We'll get into, in a later podcast, we'll get into some Group of Five realignment. But I want to make it clear, my idea for realignment, and I'll unleash this on another podcast, and I'll also put it on our website, cfpcollegefootball.com, my proposal for a 12-league 10 team per league conference, which gives you an even 120 teams. I think that will make scheduling a little bit easier and they can go to the NFL format where it's essentially decided a few years in advance based on order of finish, based on previous records, whether it's from the previous year, whether it's from two years prior. I know that in college, the logistics, you know, you need to have things a little bit more in advance than maybe you might need to in the NFL But I think that that would work out really well. And again, I want to give credit to Pat Forty for the initial idea. But my twist on it will be different than Mr. Forty. And I think you're going to like it. So college football proposal for realignment as we stand on May 18th, 2021. Well, that's going to do it for us here on the CFP podcast. Again, episode eight. We're going to try and crank out a lot more coming up. I know that there was some lag time in between those team previews in our great 28 of spring. But now that that's over, there's not as much prep going in. I mean, there's a lot of prep. Don't get me wrong. But it's really just going to be kind of freestyling, flowing from, from my noodle and from my heart because that's really where college football originates. I've been following it since I was seven years old. I do the math. That's 33 years of passion. And it hopefully comes out on the podcast. Hopefully it comes out on our website. So give us another look, cfpcollegefootball.com. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at champion underscore lit, L-I-T, that is. We hope to have you back on our next podcast, and we'll talk more realignment. We'll talk more preseason previews, and all that is coming up on our website as well. So thank you for joining us. This has been the CFP Podcast. I am Chappy, and that's what I know.